Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. I'm your host, Julie Clark, child and youth care practitioner, registered psychotherapist and trauma therapist. I want to break down barriers related to stigma and seeking help for mental health. If something in this podcast resonates with you, I urge you to reach out to a licensed or registered healthcare professional. Don't go at it alone and let's get started. Hi there and thank you for tuning in to this intro for Somatic Experiencing Practitioners and the the ongoing series that I'm going to be doing. I'm Julie Clark, a registered psychotherapist here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada and Somatic Experiencing Practitioner. I wanted to do this podcast to help uh, inform individuals who are curious about this model. We've been, as a collective whole and and colleague um, and peers, have been talking about the influx of inquiries we're getting about this work, and so I thought that this would be a great way to um, not only give you all some additional insight or sort of gather information that you all have available to you online, but gather information in a bit of a uh, more simplistic way to try and understand a little bit more about what somatic experiencing is. Um, so the main website for somatic experiencing work is through traumahealing.org. It's a U.S.-based but international organization. Uh, somatic experiencing is, we call it SE, and it's a body-oriented therapeutic model that helps to heal trauma and other stress disorders. It's multidisciplinary and intersectional and sort of weaves in stress, physiology, psychology, ethology, biology, neuroscience, indigenous healing and medical biophysics. And it was developed and is the life's work of Dr. Peter Levine. Dr. Levine was inspired to study stress on the animal nervous system when he realized that animals are constantly under the threat of death yet show no symptoms of trauma. This actually really stood out for me. It was really interesting to me as, I guess you could say I'm an animal lover. What he discovered was that trauma had to do with the third survival response to perceived life threat, and that was freeze. When fight and flight are not options, we freeze, we humans, we're mammals too, and immobilize like playing dead. This makes us less of a target, but this reaction is time sensitive. In other words, it needs to run its course. And the massive influx of energy that was prepared for fight or flight in our mammalian systems, in our autonomic nervous system, when that massive energy that was prepared for fight or flight, it gets discharged through shakes and or trembling. If the mobility phase doesn't complete, then that charge stays trapped in the body. And from the body's perspective, it's still under threat. So Peter Levine and the Somatic Experiencing Method works to release the stored energy and turn off the threat alarm 
that causes severe dysregulation and dissociation. SE helps people to understand this body response to trauma and work through a body-first approach to healing. So myself, as a somatic experiencing practitioner, we are trained through um, a high-level experiential training based on the one-on-one work with our fellow student colleagues and observation, as well as lectures, live demonstrations, guided practice sessions, audiovisual cases, suggested readings, and our own personal somatic sessions that if we're going to become a practitioner, we're required to do those personal SE sessions in order to deepen the experiential knowledge. And this helps us to refine our somatic awareness, not just just for ourselves, but also for our clients, and build capacity for our individual self-regulation. Essentially, we become co-regulators in in the room with our clients. And SE can be taught to and is practiced from a body worker perspective. So like a cranial sacral therapist, physiotherapist, occupational therapist, um, I think massage therapist, not I think, I know a massage therapist. Um, I can't remember if I said that, but a lot of body workers and other physical and healthcare providers. So it's not just for mental health clinicians like myself. And I love that because there's a real subset of skills that those colleagues of mine that are body workers have that I don't have and vice versa. And so it makes for a lot of really rich conversation. And I apologize. (laughs) My dog's protecting me in my house. There's a dog walking by. (laughs) We have to do a series of eight training modules that vary between four to six days in length. And there is a beginning one, two, and three an intermediate one, two, and three, and then an advanced one and two. So the advanced one and two is the six days, the others are all four days, and it's approximately every three months apart dispersed over that two and a half year or so period. And there is the third cohort that I mentioned earlier is wrapping up their advanced two uh, tonight, actually. So it's very exciting. And there'll be a new influx of qualified individuals here in and around the Ottawa and Eastern Canada regions. Um, And on that note, if you're looking for a practitioner and you've landed on this podcast, if you go to traumahealing.org, there is a find a practitioner tab in the top right hand corner. And so not everybody is listed in that directory. It's not mandatory, it's by choice. And so um, what I've done on my website julieclarktherapy.com is start to list a number of independent associates who do somatic experiencing. And then together through the various interviews under this series, you'll be introduced to some of them and can get to know their work. So I think that's it for now. I just, I guess we'll just leave it short and sweet. And then through the series, you'll gain information, you might have more questions, and we want to hear from you. So please leave a comment in the comment section wherever you're listening to this podcast, or you could contact us at info at julieclarktherapy.com, and that's Clark with an E, and we'd love to hear from you, and I hope that you have found this series helpful. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Tiffany. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. It's great to connect with you. And thank you so much for chatting with me on my podcast today. Yeah, I'm happy to. I created, or I am creating, you're actually one of the first SEPs that I'm chatting with, but I'm creating um, what I'm going to call a somatic experiencing practitioner series for the Mm -hmm. podcast. And I'm excited about connecting with other SEPs because, and we'll get into it, but I don't know about you, but I'm getting a lot of inquiries for this modality. Are you noticing that as well? Yeah. Yeah. Over the last, I don't know year and a half or so Mm -hmm. year for sure Mm -hmm. yeah people want really specifically to be doing SE which is great that means it's getting out there yeah and you know from a clinician standpoint there's a lot of sort of education information that we have to share or I have to share when I'm working with clients if they're not aware of the work and we're going to be practicing that modality and to have calls where people have done research and they're specifically asking for that modality is exactly, I was thinking the same thing. It's getting out there and it's exciting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe something cool is happening where we can all like collectively heal our nervous system. I know. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I just got like a burst of excitement because we know how great this work is. And so um, to get into that, I wondered if um, Tiffany, you could chat with me a little bit, just kind of let me know what inspired you to become a therapist. First of all, you're a psychotherapist here in Ontario. Yeah. What inspired me? Oh, that's a, that it's a winding road. So when I was, when I was itty bitty, um, with someone in my family, one of my siblings saw a therapist and it was like amazing. It was night and day and things were so, so different post therapy. Um, so it worked and she was an amazing therapist. So it was a really good success story. And, um, I wanted to do the same. And then I got off track, I guess, as we do, um, And by off track, I mean, I just took a winding path Mm -hmm. and I went into environmental studies and then I found, um, and then I found this program, I went to the University of Waterloo, I found this program called Sexuality, Marriage and Family Studies. Mm -hmm. And um, there was this woman who was the professor in one of my courses who was just like enigmatic. She was like, just Oh, just loved her so much from the get go. She was full of like passion and, Mm -hmm. um, she was a couple and family therapist. Mm -hmm. She, this woman had, was my professor for several years and then my supervisor and now my mentor for supervision. (laughs) So we've had like a 15 year relationship. Oh, wow. Um, but I just like, she told a lot of like, she gave a lot of information through story mm-hmm. and the stories of the therapy room really just, they made the hairs on my, on my arm stand up. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, that sounds so nice. Mm-hmm. Just like a really nice place to be. So um, yeah, that's what I did. And that it didn't just sound nice. It felt nice too. It did. It did feel nice. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, despite the price tag of going to school for so long, there's mm-hmm. nothing that I regret about it. I love, like, yeah. I truly love my job. 
I know I do too. I do too. <laughs> it's such a, it's, it's a, like, I'm really grateful that I do love my job because I know not everybody gets that out of, mm-hmm. out of life. Uh, yeah. Out of the job that they're doing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes I'll say that and they'll kind of like cock their head and go, but do you really? And I'm like, actually, yes, I do. You know, when I'm talking to my financial planner, she's like, okay, so you could retire around this age. I'm like, no, no, no. Like it won't be happening. I can tell you right now, I may scale back as I get older, but there's some intentions to be practicing for a good long while for sure. <laughs> and that's, I, I'm, it, this that's a good segue because I know you're going to ask me about it, but that's what got me mm-hmm. into SE. Yeah, was... that was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> so the I was doing the story goes I was doing DBT. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in a in a DBT program, which was great. Um, it was it was really great. That's to me in my mind. That's like a young person's therapy modality mm-hmm. it's a lot of work on the part of the therapist which is okay it's, mm-hmm. it was wonderful it was rewarding and I truly loved it and I was like I can't do this work forever this particular mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. it's heavy it's it's heavy it's heavy but it's like like I can hold heavy and mm-hmm. stand still mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's like heavy and heavy and run and mm-hmm. yeah that's different <laughs> yeah yeah fair so, um, yeah, I took, I took SE really reluctantly, actually. I took the beginner one, mm. um, and, uh, I didn't love it at first, mm-hmm. uh, because you don't get a lot of information in that first, no, it's a lot of like laying the groundwork, which was in retrospect was really important and wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as I, as I progressed and continued on, I was like, oh, Okay this modality is sustainable. Mm. Like it's sustainable as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to, how how do I put it? I don't have to work so hard. Yes. Yeah. But also at the same time, the work can flow through me. Yes. And there's a, a, like a synchronicity between almost like, I don't want to make it sound religious or anything, but they're mm-hmm. like between the universe and me mm-hmm. when I'm practicing SE and I'm in my, I'm truly in my body. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to think as much <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to have that mental fatigue at the end of the day. Yeah. I get to be, I get to be a container for people. And that feels really like I could do that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And just to circle back, DBT, you and I know that as dialectical behavior therapy. That's mm-hmm. what you were referencing. Yeah. 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 Great modality. Really mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Very effective in a lot of different uh, treatments for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just I, could I, see myself getting older in, mm-hmm. you know, I started, I was, I was young when I started working mm-hmm. and um, I was like, okay, so I'm looking at doing this for the next 45 years. Mm-hmm. Sing along. That's a long time. <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> and um, can I do this? No, mm-hmm. I can't do this for 40 years, but mm-hmm. I might be able to do SE. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the word that stands out for me there is that sustainable as a mm-hmm. practitioner. Yeah. And as myself as a practitioner as well. So I think we graduated at the same in 2016. No, wait. 
yeah, 2016 or there somewhere around there and then had to do our hours. So we're, we've been practicing SE, I think around the same amount of time. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. And so I can definitely relate to that, that word sustainable. Um, and it, it really is. I think the other things that I kind of noted as you were talking was like SE teaches us how to take care of us and regulate ourselves so that that work that can flow through us, it's, it's not, you know, taking from us as practitioners, as humans, really, in ways that if there isn't that regulation, it has the capacity to, like, you and I both are clinical supervisors, and I'm betting this is something you're talking to your supervisees, your interns about, because especially with COVID, like, we're in this for the long haul, and the need is tremendous, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making sure that we don't fall victim to the hard work that is psychotherapy. Yeah, it's it's such a funny thing to battle against. Mm-hmm. Um, because in you know, therapists talking to therapists know that the work is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, therapists talking to the public, I you know, I'm sure you've got it mm-hmm. from people before, but like my family's like, well, you just listen to people <laughs> or you sit all day. Or yeah, my kids used to say, you just play with kids. That's what you do. You just play with them. Right. <laughs> you just play games. <laughs> yes. So there's something, um, oh, my dog's joining us as okay. she does. Yeah. Mine will probably bark at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's hard to battle that. Like it's, it's hard work. Um, I think for new therapists, mm-hmm. And I don't know to how I talk with my interns and my supervisees about it often is just to like, let it be hard Mm -hmm. to let it be hard work instead of trying to make it easier or, Mm -hmm. you know, fighting against people. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's okay that it's hard. It's hard for, for Mm -hmm. sacred reasons. Oh, I love that. It's hard for sacred reasons. (laughs) Aw. That's awesome. Um, I'm learning another new modality at present. It's more cognitive based. Um, and I see a need for that at times for the population that I work with. So as I'm learning this new modality and trying to really honor the structure of this evidence-based treatment mm-hmm. and it being different, more cognitive base, you know, you kind of talked about named SE as being truly in your body, which myself as a therapist, as, as an SEP therapist, I can truly say that I, you know, work from that place. And so learning this cognitive based therapy, um, I found myself, well, just talking about that, letting it be hard. And I, it was hard. It was hard. (laughs) And it was called, it's called uh, cognitive processing therapy. So it's a playoff of um, cognitive behavioral therapy, but big C, little B. So Mm -hmm. here I am and I'm, you know, I have the training, I have the capacity. I'm working through this with my clients and I'm in my head and I know I'm in my head and I just can't formulate, I can't find clarity there because it's so different. And I want to do, you know, be a good therapist and do a good job. And um, ultimately I, I just had to kind of sit back and call it and name it and be honest about it. Like, 
I'm struggling with this. And so I was able to find some videos to explain the things I was struggling with to the client so that I could do right by the client and the protocol. And through a series of events, some things happened. And so that's why I thought I just got to kind of name this. And it ended up turning into this beautiful situation that we had to go back to some somatic stuff. And maybe that was for my own sake, just so I could ground myself (laughs) to like gain what I felt like needed to be some traction in in the session. But um, the individual, they're like, did you set this up? I'm like, I actually did not set this up. (laughs) Like it just... You know, I had the skill set from somatic work to really honor myself and how I wasn't in my body to be able to kind of bring things back on track, right, wrong, you know, good or bad, whatever. We're not going to qualify it in that way, judge it in that way. But it ended up being this really beautiful sort of outcome. And I, I feel like as an SE therapist, I wanted to give credit to that. And I think you can probably appreciate that just also being an SE therapist. I can appreciate that as a learner as well, right? Like mm-hmm. it almost, the image that was coming to my mind as you were talking is like, you know, making, refining like a new path in a forest is like, yeah. sometimes you're like, I don't know, am I, like you're looking in this really micro way, like, am I on the path? Am I not on the path? Is this the path? Like with every step. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes we just have to go back to the path that we know and I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I know if I walk like east for 10 minutes the path is there somewhere so like let me get let me find that main path and then we'll we'll re we'll we'll regroup here mm-hmm. where I can breathe mm-hmm. right? where I know I'm on the path mm-hmm. yeah I I think I think that's one of the really delicious things about SE generally mm-hmm. is like you you can it's not, it's not mindful. Um, like it's, it is mindful, but it's not mindfulness. It's not like tagged that way or, or, um, talked about in that way, but it, it, I find it a truly like mindful process because you're constantly in a learner position Mm -hmm. with the, like as the client, but also as the practitioner around what you're seeing. So that's cool that you're bridging something new in and you have Mm -hmm. to come back to you and exactly like of course learning takes us out of our bodies of course yes you know and and I couldn't I couldn't not honor that and and there was a real block there for me which ultimately is going to transfer over into my experience with my client and it wasn't me honoring me and I just had to kind of like you know put the pen down and say, okay, like, and I was honest with people, obviously I'm just learning this modality, you know, you're sort of like a guinea pig just so you know, but yeah, man, that sounds like just good mm-hmm. informed consent too. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not someone who's been doing this for 10 years. It's not going to be, you know, um, it's not going to be fine tuned essentially. So anyhow, so I, I know that you could appreciate that. And, and I hope that sort of touching a little bit on what you were saying earlier that, you know, it is hard work and it is difficult for those who don't do this work to know. I just wanted to share that little tidbit of how, you know, on the fly in the moment, you know, we're having to call this stuff up and then what through the work of SC, we can call it up in a really honest and genuine way. And the individual actually said something like, um, 
they didn't feel um, bombarded or something. And I was like, good, <laughs> because this wasn't planned. They asked the question. I think maybe they were curious if it was because there was a real teachable, in their words, there was a real teachable moment there. And I agree. Um, but it was completely 100% authentic, human and human, you know, and um, not that you can't get that in the DBT uh, world or the cognitive behavioral world. Like I'm, I'm not here to sort of pit other modalities against one another. Um, no, it's yeah. funny. Like when I, when I first started as a therapist, so um, I graduated in 2012. Mm -hmm. So um, like during my training, I remember like talking to my supervisor and saying, oh, this was a really hard session because I had to go pee the whole time. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, why didn't you just go pee? And I was like, pardon me? <laughs> what? Are yeah. you insane? Yeah. And she's yeah. like, just excuse yourself. And I'm like, can you do that? <laughs> Is that allowed? And it, like, I was just like offended. And I didn't, I didn't get through that. Like it didn't, I, I was like, no, she's, she's just nuts. You don't just tell your client you have to use the washroom and leave. And it took me Essie, to be like, oh no, hello. This, this body that I live in mm -hmm. actually has some needs sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if I'm, I'm, that's really good modeling. If I'm yes. telling someone something as simple as like, I just, you know what? I, yes. I need to use the washroom. Can you give yeah. me a minute? Yeah. And, and make no apologies. Like it's you being human in that moment. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it's like me being human and me honoring this nervous system that has yes. its own needs. And it doesn't, my nervous system doesn't care too much about my agenda. Um, no. Or what you're doing when you have to go to the washroom. <laughs> or what I'm doing. <laughs> so like, I think there's a, is a, maybe a strange parallel, but there's a parallel in terms of being a learner, right? Like this is how I'm learning is like by being in the weeds with this and it's maybe not so polished. Yeah. Well, it actually, um, it makes me think of, I work with police officers and mm -hmm. first responders and oftentimes they're in the middle of nowhere on a call for hours on end mm -hmm. and their body has needs. Yeah. And how many times I've heard that they've had to override those needs. That, well, obviously, we don't get into specifics about that, but just the generalities of like being in remote areas for yeah. hours and no facilities. Right. And on. what that does to the body. So it's actually <laughs> really relevant. That's exactly what came <laughs> to mind when you were talking about that. It's very normal to have to go to the bathroom. But yeah. Why is it that when we're put in these positions, we have to do these kind of like abnormal things, like hold it for hours and hours and hours. It's, it's, you know. Have you thought about running a workshop on like SE principles for how to take a poop in the woods? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great one? <laughs> I'd take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's probably happening anyways. Right. But if we can get a little bit more specific and normalize and the, you know, the, and I'm going to say it, the release of it and how then you can go back and be fully present to what it is that you're investigating or how you need to secure the scene or whatever. And just what we're talking about. With no apologies. Because is it talked about? I don't know. I'm not part of that inner circle in that way. So, yeah, wouldn't it be a great, uh, oh, gosh, the ideas are just floating in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, so one of the things that I think, um, it, like in, in our, our training, because it's vague in my mind, so this is why I'm stumbling over it, mm -hmm. is like that idea that um, shame 
is the glue that holds trauma mm-hmm. to us, right? Mm-hmm. And not that pooping in the woods is trauma necessarily, but the shame holds us, like binds us to that perpetual moment. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, talking about it and the fact that sometimes, yeah, you might just have to like mm-hmm. ex- excuse yourself to, you know, go dig a little hole mm-hmm. and um, have a moment mm-hmm. so that you can get back to focusing on your mm-hmm. on your task at hand. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, there's lots that I could, we could talk about around that topic. Just again, I'm really appreciating this because I think, and this is why I wanted to do this podcast, because I think to put it out there for people to access and listen to, my hope is that it helps them to understand the depths of this work. Um, And maybe I'll just switch gears a little bit because I want to get your take. We're both mental health clinicians and I want to get your take on um, those that you know that do the work or maybe you've made referrals to that are body-based workers. So any kind of massage therapist, cranial sacral, um, if you have any thoughts, uh, I'm just kind of throwing that at you. So I just wondered if you had any, you know, massage worker or massage therapist, like individuals that maybe you've worked with that have also benefited with um, the body-based work with an SEP. Like um, clients that I've worked with that... Um, that have maybe dabbled in some of that stuff in conjunction with their therapy. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I'm, you know, your listeners can't see me, mm-hmm. but I am visibly woo-woo, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> as my clients lovingly refer to me. Yeah. Um, man, there are so many wonderful things. So because I'm visibly woo-woo, then mm-hmm. that's also sometimes who I attract a client mm-hmm. as a client base. Mm-hmm. So one of the... Um, one of the things I love about working with people who are willing to be out of the box is that they're like definitely willing to be out of the box. Mm-hmm. And so I've had, I have clients who swear by working with Enneagram numbers and mm. some clients who work with um, psychics and clients um like I have lots of clients who do massage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, there's some interesting conversations I've had with clients about massage who don't seem to like touch mm-hmm. um, and how they override for a whole hour while they're mm-hmm. doing massage, yeah. uh, which is a di- like a whole other side mm-hmm. of um, that. Um, we don't have a lot of cranial sacral therapists local to me. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to refer to cranial sacral therapists, but we just don't have a lot. Mm, interesting. And um, I find just it's all of all of those adjunct therapies or not therapies. I find are just are just ways into a ventral system, right? They're ways into connection mm-hmm. that is meaningful to the person. Yes. So. I don't care what people are using. I'm mm-hmm. like, whatever your team is, like I am pumped about it mm-hmm. as long as it truly fits for you. Like if you feel connected to a massage therapist or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or grit or God, I don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, like I'm willing to make a team with, with whomever. Yeah. And, um, I do, I, I would love, I don't think we have any 
local to us, not none that I know of, to have like SEPs or also massage therapists or mm-hmm. um we we have maybe two great osteopaths in Guelph and um they're booked months and months in. Mm. One thing that I find myself recommending a lot mm-hmm. is acupuncture. Okay. Because I love acupuncture. I work mm-hmm. with a lot of people with chronic pain mm-hmm. um, and uh, chronic pain and, and syndromes like fibromyalgia and Hashimoto's and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So um, having a moment in a, in a chair or in a bed to yourself to, you know, take an hour and not do anything and just like let it be for you mm-hmm. is r- really... I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, thank you for telling me that part. Cause that was one of the other questions that I had was like, who do you find? Like you might get to a certain place in your treatment with someone where you feel like how they're presenting and what the unique needs are. There might be another modality that from a body-based perspective that might be helpful. And, um, and I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit in the way that we are, because I have a lot of individuals who are, of course, they want the mental health piece because maybe they're demonstrating or describing that they have some sort of developmental trauma or um, post-traumatic stress or something. And um, when they sort of, you know, inquire with me, there's they'll mention something like chronic stress. And so when I'm thinking about referrals, obviously, if I know of someone that might be uh, competent and good for them. Um, I want to be able to provide that name. And what I'm noticing is some people are a little bit hesitant, not all, but some people are a little bit hesitant to move away from someone who is doing SE work that is also a mental health clinician when it involves trauma going into these more body-based works. But it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like this is still really, really good stuff. Um, And so I really love what you just said about that there are different ways into the ventral vagal system. Um, And so, yeah, there's the team aspect, but there's also that individual experience aspect too, right? So that maybe they can't, maybe they want to work through some mental health stuff with a psychotherapist or psychologist or whatever, but if they can't get into someone right away because of long late wait lists, but they can get into someone that's a body-based worker that, that does SE or not, they don't have to all do SE, but SE informed is helpful just because it's what we know and what we're talking about. It is a way into their ventral vagal system, which is going to give them, you know, some sense of, of relief with their symptoms. Hopefully that would be the, the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just love that there are so many options and, Mm -hmm. um, like, I can't, I can't pretend to, to hold, like as a therapist, I can't pretend to hold the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I, f- I find I'm often referring out more often to mm-hmm. to psychiatrists because my like I said my my the people I work with are often um, more alternative health people mm-hmm. and sometimes I have to be like yeah this kind of goes beyond our alternative health pieces right. and what we can do and it's like a good sometimes it's a really great person to have with you is a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and I think. Um, did we train with a couple psychiatrists? We did. Um, well, and I know one's about to graduate here in Ottawa. <laughs> I was just at a dinner last night. They're finishing advanced two today, actually. 
for the third cohort. And mm-hmm. um, there, there is one there for sure. A psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there were two in Montreal when I was. Oh, was, I didn't start in Montreal. I started, we didn't meet at the beginning. I was thinking about that when we started talking, you joined Ottawa a little bit later on. That's when I met you. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. yeah. I took a really long time to do my training. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Which is also the flexibility to do that. But um, yeah, I appreciate that perspective that there's the beyond alternatives piece that sometimes some medication really just is something to consider and um, add to the overall wellness and treatment for someone. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like that, that can just give that little bit Mm -hmm. of relief Mm -hmm. so that you can do some really meaningful work Mm -hmm. on like with therapy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I love that there are so many, what's that saying? There are many roads to Rome mm-hmm. and like people can totally find their own path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Tiffany. This is exactly what I sort of envision for this series is to give a little sort of nuances, whether it's our own personal experiences, our professional experiences, what we see in our clients and the needs and, and sort of elaborate a little bit more on the availability and possibilities of this work from whatever scope of practice people are working from. We just happen to be from that mental health lens, but there's a lot of really well-qualified individuals out there. And, um, and talking about that, I love that you said, I, I would make a team with whomever, because I'll often talk to people about that. Like sometimes we're building that interdisciplinary team as part of the initial work that we're doing. And it's so important to kind of view it that way. It's not going to be a one-stop shop when we're dealing with chronic, you know, chronic situations, chronic stress, chronic pain, trauma, developmental trauma, complex trauma. Um, We can't work in silos when we're doing this work. Um, No, and I think, yeah, mm -hmm. I think our clients do a disservice to themselves Mm -hmm. when they don't, I think we all need a team, like whether it's Mm -hmm. complex mental health or not, Mm -hmm. like we just need people who are going to cheer us on and Mm -hmm. who are really like invested in our wellness Mm-hmm. And like the idea of like having one person to go to mm-hmm. is like f- too individualistic for my mm-hmm. taste. Mm-hmm. Like we need people, we need a team, Absolutely. we need, yeah. mm-hmm. we need cheerleaders, we need whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever that looks like. Yeah. We need mm-hmm. a circle around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not looking to one individual person to fulfill all those needs, but recognize, you know, what's coming to mind as you're saying that this is kind of silly. I had a, just a treatment yesterday and the woman that was doing the treatment with me, she had yellow pants on. I'm like, I love your yellow pants. Like there's just something about her yellow pants. So we had this like big conversation for 10 minutes about, about these yellow pants. And I was like, I was leaving and I was like, would I, what, could I pull off yellow? Like, and I was like, I don't know what it was. It was the tone of yellow. It was the day. It was how she had it paired with this black. And I don't know. Anyhow. So that's the kind of thing that like, that was a moment that was unexpected. And that was like a people moment. You know, I was going for a treat when I know her, we were talking and it, it ended up like having me go down these paths of thought that, you know, and lifted me and enriched me in ways that, you know, yeah. Oh, that's so great. I know. The yellow pants. Did you do the many hands of support? Mm-mm, no. So um, 
in the SE training, it's mm-hmm. the activity is like you stand. Oh yes, yes, yes. You, you did this yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you stand and then I like, this is how I think of having a team, you know, the idea you stand there and then you check in with your body. Where does my body need support? Okay. My left hip. Mm-hmm. Only one person can hold your left hip, but then after you get that support for your left hip, then your right knee needs support. Mm-hmm. And then somebody can hold that. And then like, and it, and it helps, it helps probably like, it helps a lot to have somebody holding that left hip, mm-hmm. but then something else gets to happen mm-hmm. when the right knee is supported. And then mm-hmm. something else when your back is supported and something else when you're like, it's just, there's a, I'm doing this thing with my hands, like a, <laughs> like a shower, a waterfall, a cascade yeah. of yeah. goodness gets to come when we have, when we have people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely, I was thinking that was an additional training or something, but I remember where I was in the room when we did that activity for the training, it was that impactful. And it's so, I want to say it's like so basic yet so like far removed from our everyday lives and recognizing that it has the power to, for us to, you know, notice that the left hip is sore and ask for support for that, whether it's, you know, a partner or just kind of putting attention there. But then when that has been settled by the support, then yeah, there's this other there's this expansion of something else somewhere else that maybe we wouldn't have noticed if the support wasn't there for the left hip. And that's what you're talking about. And that's what I remember that to be. Yeah. 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 And it's the same as the big interdisciplinary team, right? That it can't be just, you know, and maybe it's me coming into it thinking that that's what they want for me. I'll just put that out there too. But I think, you know, I wanted to kind of tease that apart a little bit in this series with yourself and with others that I'll do the interview with so that it can help to broaden that sort of, because, you know, people seeking out this work often are feeling really overwhelmed. And so I wanted to talk about this, what feels very simple, but can feel really complicated when you're dealing with chronic pain and, you know, trying to get out of bed in the morning. For sure. And I think there's some, like, one of the things I really love about SE that is different than all the other therapy modalities, therapy modalities I've trained in is that there's, there isn't a gatekeeping mm-hmm. and the people have mentioned that as problematic as well. There mm-hmm. are problems, but there are also really great things. So I, we got to train alongside of naturopaths and mm-hmm. massage therapists and cranial sacral therapists. Mm-hmm. And that, that idea of being able to heal alongside, mm-hmm. I think is really powerful. And there yes. isn't this gatekeeping of knowledge. So I, I think sometimes people come in to see me and they're like, oh, well, you know all the things because you have a master's degree and mm-hmm. you've been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to know all the things. <laughs> My ego loves yeah. that boost. Yeah. Um, but that's just not, that's not the case. Yeah. Our human capacity is limited. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's that mirroring, that modeling too, right? Because the client's human capacity is limited as well. And so sometimes, again, for a first responder, that's where I go is we can't do all the things. We can't be the protector yeah. of all. And I, I, you know, healing alongside, I just love that. Oh my gosh, I've just been enjoying this conversation with you so much. And I'm so thankful that you, uh, that you made some time to chat with me today. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I wondered, of course, yeah, yeah. If you want to sort of just do a little plug on your website and where your business is and how people could get a hold of you, if because um, I know that you you recently picked up some additional space and are hiring some people. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, so I I figured out the direction in which I want my business to go just mm-hmm. recently, and um, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm in Guelph, Ontario, mm-hmm. and uh, my website is a golden thread psychotherapy.com. Mm-hmm. And I have three therapists that work for me right now. And I'm hiring, I hope, two more mm-hmm. who do somatic experiencing. Nice. And I have an intern. So we've got, um, we have lots of folks who are like amazing. Mm-hmm. I really Sounds love like my it. team. Yeah. They're really, they're all so different and such like truly gorgeous humans who care yeah. so deeply about other people and yeah. humanity. Yeah. Um, I just get warm fuzzies thinking yeah, about I know. these I people. I do too, just as you're describing it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, love Essie and I just really want to support the community to have exactly. more of it. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately I figured out that that can't happen through through me mm-hmm. um it has to happen you, you through, alone. Yeah, yeah through me supporting other therapists to um mm-hmm. to do that so yeah um awesome that's where I am that's where you are so a golden thread psychotherapy.com it's a very long website yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's in Guelph <laughs> Ontario and people I just pulled it up and so you've got a great website here with a list of services who the populations you work with and got some profiles there on your team members and um and how to contact how to contact you so yeah thanks. and in the yeah. future we mm-hmm. will have people who we will have that interdisciplinary team in my office nice and I'm excited about whenever yeah. that gets to happen. Yeah. I'm in the middle of doing a lot of that stuff too, actually. I so. know you are. Yeah, I know. Busy I know. bees, you and yeah, I. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great rest of your weekend. And it was such a pleasure chatting with you. It's been a while since we were able to connect. So I'm really, really happy that we've been able to do this today. And all the best to you, Tiffany. Thanks so much, Julie. Take good care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.